Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. Hi there, and welcome to the latest instalment of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. Lots of stuff to get through this week and what has been a very positive weekend for the Teddy Bears. We got the three points against Dundee, Celtic drop points, all looking good. And we've also we've got the European game on Thursday to look forward. So we'll be looking at that. We'll look at the Dundee game. We'll go through all the analysis of that. We'll have a, a look at the Villarreal game on Thursday, which is our first group stage European match since 2010. And then we'll have a wee quick squeak at the St. Johnson game next Sunday. Joining me this week is two absolute legends from the Jersnet podcast. They were here right at the very beginning when we started this this bandwagon. Uh, it's Ross Bennett. How are you doing, Ross? I not so bad, Colin. Yourself? No, not so bad. You sound very cheery. I'm, I'm assuming the, the, the weather in Luxembourg is a bit gloomy. No, the weather in Luxembourg is absolutely spot on. It's been cracking. I think it's get, getting up to 30 degrees this week as well. Um, my missus is away on holiday as well, so I'm by myself for a weekend. It's been uh, It's been lovely. Oh, my God. An empty and nice weather. An empty, <laughs> an empty. We're not at high school. <laughs> well, well, you've obviously not been married as long as me. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. Aye, nice weather. I'm chuffed for you. Uh, I'm sure the person I'm about to introduce will be joining you with that. It's Pete, the the legend that is Pete. How are you, Pete, over in Germany? Yeah, great. Great. Are you sound it? Are you sound, you sound full delighted? Of sun. Full of sun. Full of sun. What's, what's the temperature in Germany? Well, we're going up. It wasn't that really that brilliant today. It was I think it was in its twenties, early twenties. But we're going up to thirty degrees during the week again. So, Aye. looking forward to that. Aye, and plus the fact the positives of the the games that we, we've had the last since Friday night. Well, I even, I even dug myself in to watch that, and uh, I thought I'll just watch it to Celtic go one up, and then uh, I ended up watching it. And the whole game. It. Yeah. <laughs> Praying, well, most of it, praying, praying that, that St Mern would hold out, which uh, they did quite easily. They did, I am, you know, certainly in terms of the climate, it's looked a bit sunnier this weekend for Rangers. A positive weekend, just a, just a, a wee bit regrettable that Hearts couldn't have dropped a couple of points there, but we'll, we'll roll on. So we'll get right into it, we'll get into the game yesterday, uh, obviously the, the Dundee game, we won 4-0 at Ibrox, uh, fairly sort of routine win, which is a good thing, I suppose. I didn't think the, the, the performance was was overly fantastic. And I'll come with you first, Ross. Stevie G, after the game, said yesterday that he was pleased with the result, pleased with the clean sheet, but the performance, I thought, could have been better. I thought it was a bit patchy. We played some good stuff at times, and I thought we, we, we were better in the second half than we were in the first half. Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, what were your thoughts of the performance overall? If I'm being honest, I was actually quite surprised by by Stevie G's comments after the game. I thought that I actually thought we were we were better than he made us out to be. I thought we were pretty strong, you know, throughout the whole game. Maybe Dundee had a had a wee ten minute spell uh, towards the end of the first half where they were a wee bit more dominant, but they never troubled us. I some sometimes we were a bit disjointed, some stray passes here and there, but you know. We've had the international break, which has been really good, which has given us a real rest, given us time to to focus on um, tightening things up on the training ground, and I think that really showed. Um, I just, I, I actually thought 
Gerard's comments were were slightly more downbeat than I was expecting. I thought it was a, a very strong, very dominant performance, um, which left me feeling very, very positive. Yeah, I, I, I would kind of slightly, I would maybe lean towards Gerard just there. I mean, obviously, it was a great result yesterday. And as I said, the, the, the fact that we're talking about routine wins, I think is a good a good thing. That's an excellent sign as to where Rangers are at the moment. But I thought we were a wee bit slack yesterday. Started well, but I thought the the, the Morelos goal that was that was wrongfully chopped off will come on and cover later on. I thought that was a wee bit of a turning point after that. I, I thought they were a wee bit disjointed at times, but overall, happy with the result. You know, 4-0. And it, it, it probably could have been more. Pete, coming to you, uh, the starting lineup yesterday, uh, Stevie G went with McGregor in goal, Tavernier and Barisic at full-back, Goldson and Katic centre-halves, midfield three of Halliday, Koulibaly, Arfield, uh, wide men were Candice and Kent and Morelos up front. And it looked to me, when I seen that starting 11, it looked to me like Stephen Gerrard had one eye on Thursday night. Is that how you felt? Did you think he, he, he got the right starting 11 yesterday? Well, as far as I know, uh, Jack and Ejara were uh, were injured, so I don't think he had uh, really what uh, to do. I suppose he could have brought in Ross McCrory instead of Halliday, but Halliday seems to be his uh, favoured in, in, in place of McCrory. Uh, now, for the rest, uh, yeah, if you think that Kent, uh, Candias and... Arfield were probably candidates for all three of them, candidates for man of the match. Then I think he got it right. Then sometimes I really worry that the, the middle, Dundee came right through the middle quite a few times. And well, actually, I thought they were opening 10 minutes, they were actually quite dangerous. And uh, he, a lot of times, Cadditch and, uh, and Goldson. They they just run up against a brick wall, but the the middle the middle sometimes they just run right through the middle of the the, the midfield, and that that worries me sometimes. I I I would slightly agree with you there. I th- I thought for a wee period in the, the first half yesterday, Dundee got a wee bit of joy coming through us through the middle of the park. So yeah, I can, I can see you I can see you going on about, and obviously Ryan Jack was out. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to be, be honest here and say I'm not sure about his area. I'd have to double check, but. I must admit, when I saw the starting eleven, I, I I thought he had a wee eye on you know the game on Thursday night, which is obviously a huge game for Rangers. We've not we've not been at that stage in Europe for a long, long time. Ross, coming to you again. I, I was reading a, a comments from Andy Halliday uh, this morning, and he was talking about the performance. He says we thought the first ten minutes we were excellent. I thought we continued that for around twenty five minutes. And then there was a wee 10-minute spell when Dundee got a foothold in the game. And he goes on to say that overall he thought it was a good performance in the second half. Now, the most interesting thing about Andy Halliday's comments, for me anyway, whether he was getting interviewed at all. You know, you know, there was periods last season where we'd all but written off Andy Halliday. You know, and he seems a different player under, under Stephen Gerrard. Why do you think that is? I mean, he's, he really has come in for the cold and seems to be a... a well, don't want to say a vital player, but he's certainly he's obviously rated by Steven Gerrard. Yeah, he's certainly shown that he's got a role to play, isn't he? I mean, I think most people, I certainly thought when he was shipped away to Azerbaijan a year ago, I thought there was no way back for him. I thought this was, we're loaning him out because we couldn't find anyone to actually buy him permanently. It's, um, it's an interesting one because 
you know, he, he came back from Azerbaijan early because he couldn't settle out there. Fair enough, that's that's personal circumstances or whatever it may be. But he came back and and I thought for large parts of the second half of last season when he did play, he wasn't he wasn't great and he hadn't improved on where he'd been under Warburton in the championship. Um but there's there's a real change in him this year. And it's um it's noticeable and, and you know, the fans are actually saying he does have a, a part to play in this team and you know he he played the ninety minutes yesterday and hardly put a foot wrong. He was very solid, very assured. It's I wonder how much it is to do with the change in coaching and you know, being surrounded now by stronger characters, um, surrounded by a more positive and more determined mindset, both from the coaching staff and from the players that they've brought in I think just the change in personnel and the change of atmosphere the change of mindset it seems to have worked for wonders for Andy but alongside that we have a guy here who grew up supporting Rangers as much as you or I did you know he's he's fanatic he's passionate for the club which is great and I think he's probably realized that this is his very very last chance um and if he doesn't impress if he doesn't nail down a, not not necessarily a starting spot every week but if he doesn't nail down a real place for himself in in the squad his his days of living the dream as a rangers player are are over and i think that's probably really hit home for andy halliday and you know you, you can see the the effect that it's had on his game i think he's he's a different player to who he was nine months ago do you think it's steven gerrard and i don't mean in terms of the, the ability that steven gerrard had Steven Gerrard's obviously one of the best players in the world when he was when he was playing and he was at his peak. But do you think Gerrard sees a bit of himself in Halliday and that, you know, he's a local boy, he's playing for the club that he he loves and wants to play for. Do you think that's part of it? Do you think Gerrard's walked in and thought, you know something, I might be able to get something out of this guy? I think so. I think he would at least Andy Halliday would be the kind of player that you would want to have in your team. If you walk into a new team as a manager, you're gonna look for the guys that are gonna give a hundred percent in training, that actually, you know, understand the club, know what it means to play for the club. You know, one thing that Steven Gerrard will never have to do with Andy Halliday is he'll never have to get him up for the game. You know, he'll never have to pump him up or try and sell to him how important the game is, because Andy Halliday will actually sell how important it is to every other member of the squad. And I think that's, when you're a new manager coming into a new team, that must be such an important thing to have someone who's already there who gets it, don't have to try and sell a vision to. Um, and You know, I think we've had periods of Andy Halliday perhaps not being played in his best position. Um, it's just, he feels... It feels like he's a bit more settled under Gerard, um, and it's it's great because we're fighting on so many different fronts this season. We need depth in the squad. We need to have characters that we can rely on um, to not start every week. Maybe come off the bench. Maybe start every third or fourth game um, to to change it up and to rest some legs. We need to be able to rely on these guys if we're fighting so many different fronts. And thankfully, Andy Halliday seems to have risen to that challenge. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Pete, coming to you, our favourite topic of them all, referees. Uh, Kevin Clancy yesterday again, another absolute shock. And I, I mean, how many league games have Rangers played this season? Four or five? There seems to be an incident in every single game. And as I said, Clancy had a, a shocker yesterday, some really, really strange decisions. I've got a wee note of them here. There's a Morelos, excuse me, the Morelos goal. Fair enough, that... You know, that could maybe go down to linesman. 
where I was seated in the in the govern rear, it was the the, go the, the goal at the furthest away end. I'm kind of closer to the Copeland Road and I'm the Broomland Road. From my seat, it, it looked like Morelos was onside. The images I've seen today have confirmed that. There was a claim for a penalty in the second half when Glenn Middleton was filled. It seemed an obvious, an obvious uh, penalty to me. There was an incident with Dundee that they swung across into the box and it looked to me like it was either Katic or Goldson headed it out. And the referee gave a, <laughs> gave a bye kick to the Rangers. Then there was another incident. There was a throw-in. The, the ball went out of play for a throw-in. The referee pointed one way. The linesman flagged another. And there seemed to be like a few seconds of indecision when they didn't know what to do. And there was one incident, and I, maybe I'm wrong in this, but Andy Halliday was down receiving treatment at one point. And when he finished receiving treatment, he didn't leave the field to play. You know, and I thought that was, you know, if you receive treatment, you have to go off and then come back onto the park. But these, these are sort of basic, basic things. And as I said earlier, there's, there's been at least one or two every week since the season started. Is it time for the SFA to look at the standard of refereeing in this country? I think one of the things you've missed as well was the elbow uh, on Halliday and his nose. And it's Andy Halliday's broken his nose. So uh, it, for me, he should have sent Miller off for that. And Miller's tackle for the for getting for the, they got sent off or was a joke, really, for me. It was, a, it was a yellow card all the way, but it was never a straight red. So, I mean, the referee was absolutely shot. And if you see... And, I was, I was watching it in Rangers uh, TV and the angles are not great in Rangers TV. That's one thing I've, I've, I've really got about it. I don't, I think Rangers TV could put more cameras out. But um, yeah, I, I never ever thought that it was offside. It just looks so onside. And when you see the image of the where the, the linesman is on the, the, the photos that have been hanging about the internet, He's about three metres, two to three metres behind the play when he's standing flagging. And you can, it's just clear, if he'd have been in line, it would have been clear that Candias uh, was in front of Morelos and that the, pa the, the, the pass was uh, straight across the box and Morelos ran onto it. it was, it's just a, a absolute shocker of a decision. And I'm probably going to upset you here, but... If you see that the, 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 there's some so many decisions this week, Aberdeen are complaining about a penalty, Kilmarnock are complaining uh, that, that they've got a penalty against them that was never a penalty, and even the BBC uh, Sport was saying it was never a penalty. Then, and the bit that will upset you, the quicker far comes in, the better for me, because decisions like that would be cancelled out if... We, the referee, well, I don't think the referee should make that decision. I think the FAR, people that uh, are watching the FAR uh, photos or, or, or video, they should make the decision on that. I don't think the referee should make that decision. But I know I know you're not a FAR supporter, so no, I don't, I don't I'll, like I'll put it back to you. No, well, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think you're right in terms of the, the, the standard, the, the decisions yesterday. And I, I think the, the standard of refereeing in this country at this particular moment in time is is, is really poor, pretty poor. Don't want to go down the road of conspiracies and all the rest of it. I think we've been at the, the, the wrong end of it, but I, I genuinely do think it's, it's more to do with a, a lack of 
ability to, to, to referee. Not a fan of VAR because that doesn't, I think the World Cup proved that it doesn't always get it right and it just adds an extra layer of, of bureaucracy in the decision-making process. Easy for me to say. And I think it slows it down and I think VAR is specifically designed for the TV audience. I think if you're at the game, certainly people that I've spoken to, they, they trialled it down in the Premiership for a, a couple of games last season. I think it, was, it might have actually been the FA Cup. And I know a few Liverpool fans who were saying to me, guys that were at the game that were saying they, they, they didn't know what was happening. You know, why, why were they going to VAR? I, I think it's designed for TV audience, audiences. I don't think it's it's way to go. I like the goal line technology. I think that works, as was proved yesterday in the Premiership. But the standard of refereeing in this country, I think if you want to improve the, the, the decisions in this country, I think you need to improve the personnel. I just don't think it's, it's good enough at the moment, I'm afraid. Sorry, Colin, if you look at rugby, if you look at rugby, where they, they actually show the incident on the, 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 the big screens and the, the, the supporters are all into that, watching it. And I'd, I, I, I think that would be better because then the, the, the supporters sitting in the stadium can actually see what is actually happening, what the referee's seen and why he's given that decision. Yeah, but is that not just happening at the high end of the, of the game? You know, it's happening in the Six Nations. Is that actually happening in your, your grounds around the country on a Saturday afternoon? I don't think it is, Pete. I might be wrong. I'm not a rugby man, but I don't think a lot of these rugby grounds... You know, playing league games and all the rest of it every Saturday have that at the high end of the game at the Six Nations and all that yeah the fans are included at other games I don't think that's the case and that's my issue with VAR it's, to me it's, it's specifically designed for TV audiences because when you're sitting at home they're showing you the, re the replays they're showing you the referees in that VAR room making a decision I think the way to improve the standard of decisions we're getting in this country right now is to improve the standard of the referees. I just don't think they're good enough at this particular moment in time. Well, I've got another incident that exactly the opposite from Rangers yesterday. Uh, I was watching Ajax game and Ajax scored a goal that was borderline offside from the referee. He gave a goal and then he checked it on VAR and you could just see that there were three Ajax players offside and then he cancelled the goal. And that's it. It takes a few. It does take a few seconds, but it's only seconds. I mean, within I think ten to fifteen seconds, they've, they've, they've looked at it and and seen if there is a case. But yeah, I'm a strong. Obviously, I'm a, obviously a strong supporter of FAR, and uh, I, I think it's the way to go because I think every country's struggling. Germany use it now, and you only really. I mean, I don't think you can press uh, breaking city and teams like that to use it. But I think it, every uh, Premier League game. I mean, they, they brought in making stadiums 10,000 seats, uh, so is, so is it 3,000 kick into it. Uh, why, why can't they just bring in VAR, which has an actual uh, improvement on the football? Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree. You know, another thing I don't like about VAR is there was, this happened a couple of times during the World Cup. When a player scores a goal, and he runs away to celebrate, and then he gets told, right, stop, we're going to VAR. Let's see what the decision is. We suspect there might have been an incident here or there might be an offside there. And then they go and review it and they say, actually, no, it's fine. The goal stands. And by that point, the moment of that celebration has gone. You know, scoring a goal in a, in a major tournament or a major game. Uh, but what did you think of Morelos' face yesterday when he when he saw that the, his goal was disallowed? Yeah, I know. And I get it. It's just the same. 
Yeah, but uh, you know you can't re you can't reignite the celebrations. You can't say, well, that's it. The goal stands. Away you go running to your supporters now. I I just I I hear what you're saying, but I'm I'm not a fan of that. I must admit, like the goal line technology because that's clinical and it gets the decision right every single time. I'm not convinced VAR does, but hey ho, it's all about opinions. Ross, uh, coming back to you, if you're still there. <laughs> I have been having a wee sleepover here. <laughs> see, I knew once he, brought, see, once he brought VAR into it, I thought, oh, we're going to be here a while. Uh, obviously, Kenny Miller uh, turned out for Dundee yesterday, first time back at Ibrox since he left the club in the summer. Uh, sending off, he was sent off. Now, it kind of happened right in front of me. I have to admit, I've not, I've not seen it since. I've not seen the TV footage. But going back to what Pete was saying there, he thought it looked harsh. So did I. I wasn't convinced straight away that it was it was a straight red. However, I've seen people on social media today saying it was. What do you think? Did you think it was the right decision to send them off? No, I think if uh, if it had been the other way around, if it had been a Rangers player making that tackle and got sent off for it, we would be up in arms. You know, we'd be adding it to our list of refereeing grievances for this season because I think it it wasn't wildly out of control. It was a late late tackle. If his foot had been, if Miller's foot was another kind of six inches off the ground and was going in over the ball, going in high, then it would have been a red card. I think it's, um, I, th- I think it was, it, it was very harsh, very very harsh. Um, it might have had something to do. Pete referenced earlier the the elbow on Halliday that he could have walked for. Um, you know, maybe the referee's thinking that he's made a mistake earlier. He should be looking to even it up. I don't know. Um, I think if it had gone, if it had been a decision against us, I'd have been really, really unhappy with it. Um, and then obviously, it's uh, you couldn't really write that script with Kenny Miller coming back, and that's uh, that's the way he leaves Ibrox this time. Well, actually, I've, I've got to give my boy a wee bit of credit here because he came away with a a, a good bit of banter yesterday. When we, initially, I didn't realise it was Kenny Miller, and then when I realised, I turned to him and said. You know, I'll have done that on purpose so he'll get his, you know, standing ovation because obviously he left under a bit of a cloud. Never really got the opportunity to say goodbye. And my boy's like, ah, it's a send off for a send off, which I thought was fairly decent patter for a 13 year old boy. So fair play to him. I know he listens, so it'll be, it'll be chuffed that he got a wee mention there. I mean, uh, he's, he's, he's not taking that after you, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's, I don't know where he's getting the grade A part from. It's no, certainly no me, that's for sure. But anyway. Uh, Pete, Glenn Middleton came on yesterday, sort of later on in the game, scored his first goal, and I must admit, I'm always, I'm always delighted when I see young boys, you know, getting their first goal for Rangers. It obviously meant a lot to him, you know. You could tell in the celebrations he was quite chuffed. How big a prospect is he for Rangers? Because I mean, I know he's only been in and out, but what we have seen him, he looks, he looks a decent prospect. Yeah, well, the games I've seen him on, the playing, it was great he got his goal, by the way. And Ryan Kent as well got his first goal, I'll just mention that as well. But um, uh, I've seen him in Germany playing in a tournament. Uh, a, a, a lot of top teams were there. And it was a standout, even even against all the teams, Fulham were there. And uh, it, it really, it was a standout against all the teams. And you could just see, the, it, was, it was different class to everybody. But uh, yeah, I, do. I really think I really think he'll be good. I really think he will. Uh, unfortunately, the, the other one that went away, Gilmer. I thought I think he's 
a, a probably bigger prospect, but unfortunately we, we lost him. But uh, yeah, I think he will go on to be a, certainly a Scotland player and a good Rangers player. Well, I hope you're right, Pete. And I mean, I think, I mean, obviously he's he's not played a huge amount of the games. He's not had a, a huge amount of game time. But anytime he has come on, there was a couple of times he came on European campaign. He looked really good. Ironically, I thought he had one of his quieter games yesterday. He, he never really, never really ran at the fullbacks yesterday and got to the byline and got the crosses in. But it was good to see him getting his goal. And hopefully, you know, as you say, he goes on to become uh, a great player for Rangers in the future. Right then, moving on, and obviously it's a big game this Thursday against Villarreal. The first time Rangers have been in the group stages of a European competition since 2010 when we're in the Champions League. You know, it's a, it really is. The more I think about it, the more excited I get. It's, it's, it's going to be a big, big night for us. Uh, Villarreal are the opponents. Uh, done a wee bit of background info on them today. Uh, they're currently sitting 12th in the table. They've not had the best of starts to their season in La Liga. They've only won... F- one of their four opening league games. Looking at their squad today, the only one I recognise was Santi Cazorla, who's obviously the former Arsenal player. If you get the opportunity, I recommend you do this. I reckon you go in and look at how he was unveiled by by uh, Villarreal. It, it was really bizarre. They have this sort of glass tube in the middle of the, the, the stadium, in the middle of the pitch. There's a magician. The tube fills with smoke. The magician goes, Izzy, Wizzy, let's get busy. The smoke disappears, it disappears, sorry. And there's Santi Cazorla. Trust me, go on to Google and look at it. It's 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 impressive stuff. We've played against them once before, uh, February 2006. We reached the knockout stages of the Champions League. We drew two each at Ibrox. Uh, Lovencran scored that night. And then the return leg, we drew one each and Lovencran scored again. We went out on the away goals. Villarreal progressed to the semi-final that season. They beat out Inter in the, the quarter-finals after disposing ourselves and lost to Arsenal in the semi-finals and Raquel May missed a penalty in the last minute of that game. Uh, Rangers had progressed to, the, to that stage of the tournament out of Group H, finishing second behind Inter Milan and ahead of Media Bratis Lava and Porto, becoming the first Scottish club to make the last 16 of the Champions League. A record against Spanish clubs, we've played 20, we've won three, which sounds pretty poor, but we've only lost five and we've drawn 12, a win percentage of 15%. Stevie G, he was talking this week about the game and he was saying it hasn't been a plan to go out and set up and defend for our lives. I don't think Rangers try and do that. We want to have a shape and organisation where we are hard to play against and respect the opposition, but we want to try and go and play when we win the ball back. So, big, big night coming up on Thursday. Big European night. It's been a while since we've had to say this. Pete, I'll come to you first. This is the first time, as I said earlier, Rangers have reached this sort of stage of a European competition since 2010. How big an achievement is it that Steven Gerrard got us there? When you consider everything that's happened to Rangers over the last six, seven years, you know, how big an achievement is Stevie G getting us to that level? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. When I think, I mean, I, I went to Luxembourg last year uh, to to watch that scandalous game that we we played in Luxembourg, and uh, the difference between the team then and now is just night and day. Uh, uh, financially, it's it's just such a big boost for Rangers. Uh, uh, that's probably brought in a couple of players that we probably wouldn't have had if we 
if we hadn't got so far. But it's it's just uh, absolutely been brilliant. Uh, and long may it continue. Yeah, I would agree. I'd, I'd, obviously, long may it continue. Getting there, I must admit, I, think, I don't think many of us at the start of the campaign saw Rangers getting to the group stage. And in fact, I read last week there that only one team since the competition started have started on day one of the, 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 the tournament and made the group stages, and that was Manchester City. So that's quite a, a, it's a, a good achievement that Rangers have made it there. And yeah, I'm... I must admit, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's been a long, long time since we've, we've had these kind of nights. So, yeah, bring it on. Ross, looking at Villarreal, sorry. They've had a bit of a sluggish start, as I said, in the build-up there. They've only won one game of their opening four in La Liga. Can Rangers actually get a result in Spain? Is it possible that we could come away with a draw or Christ, even a win? It's, it's absolutely possible. Um you mentioned there in your stats that uh, you know they've only won one of their opening four. They're down in twelfth or thirteenth place, um, and you said that you know Stevie G said he's not going to just kind of park the bus and dig in and try and try and just ride out a storm. If you like, it's it's an interesting approach that because how do we look at the the, the table, the La Liga table there, and Villarreal have, have played four games. They've scored two goals and they've conceded three, so they're they're struggling to score is is a key thing. So is it, against a team that's really struggling to score, it's probably right that he doesn't bed in and that he doesn't invite pressure and, and wait because there's kind of no need to do that if they're struggling to create chances. But also they don't really concede they've conceded three goals in four games and for a team that's down in 13th place that's actually that jumps out a wee bit in the table because the teams around them are all conceding a wee bit more so I think they'll be difficult to break down I think they'll be organised I think they'll be you know good technical footballers as well and and a definite step up in terms of quality compared to what we face domestically but also it'll be another level above Maribor and another level above Ufa I think Um, but look we've shown that we can go to Difficult places. Maribor and Ufa are both difficult places for different reasons, not necessarily because they're the best sides. Maribor are a very good side. Ufa kind of brings a different challenge in terms of the logistics and getting there. It's so remote. Um, but we've shown that we can go to difficult, um, hostile places and get the results that we need. Um, and I think we have to take confidence from that. You know, we have to take confidence from our display in Maribor in particular when it was, you know, always going to be nervy and always going to be um, trying to make sure that they don't score because then it it starts to to loosen our grip on the tie but we've shown that we have excellent game management um, and I think that speaks highly of the the, the intellect of the the coaching staff and the management team that they can manage these games they know what it takes to get a result and they seem to kind of scout the opposition really, really well. It's something that I've noticed is that they, they've obviously taken the time to really study um, the opposition in Europe. And I think if Steven Gerrard says that in this game we should not be bedding and we shouldn't be parking the bus, I think he's, you know, we, we have to trust that he's done his research there and he, he believes that there's no need to do that because there's an opportunity here for us to get a result. So, look, they are going to be a step up. They are going to be a really difficult test and a really interesting test, something that we've not faced you know, when was the last time we actually faced a Spanish side? It's it's a long time now. 
Um, so it's going to be something a wee bit different. It's such a different style of football to what we're used to. So it's going to be interesting. But there's there's no point in being defeatist. Of course, we can go over there. We can we can steal a draw. We can get the away goal. We can nick a result. Absolutely. Yeah, but but maybe it's worth point. It's worth pointing out that Villarreal have had it slightly rough over the last few seasons. I mean, I know they got to that the last time we played them, they got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Those days are gone. You know, they've been relegated since then, and they really have sort of become a sort of mid-table sort of side. Obviously, they've done well enough last season to qualify for Europe. But yeah, I think you're right. I think you know, if we go there with the right approach, as you say, if Steven Gerrard thinks was a result to be had so far he's, he's got it right in Europe you know we've had a couple of bumps domestically but in Europe him and the coaching staff have got it 100% correct so yeah I think you're right to be optimistic obviously it's Spain it's difficult but you know you never know I mean it's it's also important to, to point out that they're not going to want to be playing a team like us you know a team that's we've just obviously had a, a very convincing win at the weekend so we're coming into it in a positive positive form um, whereas they, obviously they're not, they're struggling a wee bit. But also, you know, we're still kind of riding this crest of positivity with the new manager who's come in. They're not going to want to go up against a team like us. It's also, you know, our, our, obviously our first game back in the group stages is European competition. So this means a hell of a lot to us. Um, and, and we are going to be so fired up, so pumped up. Um, we're not going to kind of buckle under the pressure or get overawed by the occasion. I think, I think we'll, be, we'll be so ready for this game. Um, and hopefully that that kind of intimidates them a wee bit. I think they're we are not the kind of team that they're going to want to play. Yeah, I would agree with that absolutely. It, I mean, as you say, it's been a while since we've been back there. It means a lot to us. We're riding on the crest of a wave, and I suppose they've maybe got more to lose. You know, they're in the bigger league. You know, we're the wee club for Scotland coming over that are only six year old apparently. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you absolutely. You know, obviously, we spoke earlier on that looking at the starting 11 yesterday, suspecting that Stevie G might have had one eye on uh, the game on Thursday. Who do you see as being the key players for this game on Thursday? Is there anyone else that will come in that you think absolutely? One one name that for me that's he sort of fe- fell out of the, the starting 11 recently, excuse me, the starting 11 recently, is John Flanagan. I don't really know what the, what, what the guy's done. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing him back in the team. But is there any other players that you think should be starting and will be key players for us on Thursday? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know who. If you bring in Flanagan, I don't know who you're going to drop Barisic for Flanagan. I don't think I would do that because Barisic, for me, is actually surprised that so many people uh, on the forum said he was playing bad yesterday. I didn't think he played bad at all. But I certainly wouldn't wouldn't drop Barisic for uh for Flanagan and Tavernier, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop him for Flanagan either. Although Flanagan's maybe a better defender than Tavernier, um, but I think one of the the, the biggest uh, player that's that's going to be Koulibaly, I think the destroyer, as they call him, uh, he's 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 going to be massive, hopefully, because he's, we've just looked a different team when he's not been playing. And yeah, yesterday he strolled about and yeah. Even got his goal. I don't think Morelos was very, very happy about it. But uh, So he's going to be massive. I think McGregor, obviously, is always massive. And Europe, in Europe, he'll need to be again, I think. Because I think they will have shots at goal. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I think we've got to be one unit. 
and all play good the way we have been playing in Europe. That, I think that, that's the important thing. Uh, whether Jack comes back in, I don't know whether Jack, what, what his injury is, whether it was a bad injury or whether it's just a, I, I just, we'll, we'll, we'll take it easy. I read today that he's not going to make it, so I'm assuming you can you can take him out of the equation. Okay, no, then then Halliday will probably move into that position. Uh, but the, the the one positive, although uh, Villarreal, they've, they've played the most games in, in Europe, uh, they've scored the, they've the most wins in the Europa League, sorry, not in Europe, the Europa League, and they've scored the most goals in the Europa League, but they've lost, over the last couple of years, they've lost two games at home. So they're, 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 not, that, they're not the team that they, they were so many years ago, and I really think, I really think we can... Uh, we can't beat them. And one of the really important things is that Morelos keeps his head and doesn't get sent off. I think that's extremely important. Is, is Morelos not suspended? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 that's a good point. At, at least he'll not be sent off then. Uh, that's because he got sent off in the last game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, never thought about that. Oh, that means Lafferty will be in then uh, up front. Or, or it might go with uh, Middleton. Could he put Middleton through the middle? Uh, well, I might go with the new boy. What was his name? The boy that came on yesterday. Is it Gresda? Might go with him. Uh, but I think maybe Lafferty's a more likely option. Time will tell, I suppose. Ross, come back to Andy Halliday. We were speaking about him earlier on. He, he, he said after the game yesterday that the group, because of the teams that are in it, obviously Villarreal, Spartak Moscow, Rapid Vienna, he said it, it kind of feels like a Champions League quality group in, in terms of the teams that are in there. Would you agree with that? I, 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 I must admit, I was a little bit surprised because my opinion over the last few years, any time I look at that Europa League groups, you, know, you always think, there's teams there, you're like, who are they? And every single team in our group, I, I think it does kind of feel like a Champions League group. Aye, well, it's, um, they're big teams. You know, Rapid Vienna, arguably one of the, the biggest teams in, in Austria, obviously. Um, Spartak Moscow, you could make an argument for them being the biggest historical club in in Russia. Um, Villarreal, obviously, are, are, aren't aren't maybe one of the giants of Spanish football, but you wouldn't bat an eyelid if you'd seen any of those teams in the Champions League. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, I think what Howard is kind of saying there is that we could have had an easier draw. And when you look at some of the teams that were floating about in the in the draw. Um, He's right, you know, we could have had an easier draw, but it doesn't really it doesn't really matter if it's a, a Champions League quality group or if it's a Europa League quality group. You know, we're we're here to face whoever's put in front of us. And we want to be a Champions League side. So if we want to be a Champions League side, we need to be beating Champions League quality teams. So I it's it's not wrong necessarily, you know, you wouldn't none of these teams would kind of seem out of place if they were in the Champions League. But that doesn't mean we need to fear them. That doesn't mean that we've had a, a rough deal. It just means that we've got big teams that we get to go and experience playing against because it's been so long that we, you know, since we've had these big away days. Um, so it's, I, if, if, it's, if it's Europa League quality, if it's Champions League quality, it doesn't really matter. Bring it on and we'll, we'll take on any comers. Quick question to the both of you. Can we get out of this group? Never say never. I, I remember doing an early podcast this season where I said, oh, if we get to the second qualifying round, maybe the third qualifying round, I would count the third qualifying round as real success. Um, and look where we are now is that we're facing three big clubs 
in the group stages. We've got European Christmas, uh, European football up till Christmas. Um, I never would have thought that would be possible. So but why not? Why not? We need to keep it tidy at home and uh, you know try and try and nick a result or two on the road. I'm going away to the to the Moscow game. So if we could uh, save a good showing for away in Moscow, that would be fine by me. Yeah, well, I always, I'm always positive about Rangers. Uh, I, I, I think we can get through. Uh, rapid. I, 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 why, why should we be frightened of Rapid? We are Rangers. Why should we, we should be frightened of them? And Spartak Moscow. No, I, I, I really think Villarreal is in, on paper the biggest. And by the way, uh, Spartak lost today, uh, and so did so did. Uh, Rapid, they lost to they lost to Austria win, and Spartak Moscow lost to yeah. This is a good one, Akmat Grozny. So they're not having it that great at, at the moment either. So I'm I'm going that we'll get through. Right, moving on, and we'll do a quick preview of the St Johnson game next Sunday. Obviously, we'll be travelling back on a Thursday night from Spain. So no Saturday game for Rangers this week. It's on to the Sunday. And that's the sort of, I'll, I'll open up the topic, I'll come to you first, Ross. The Sunday thing, you know, Hearts, Celtic and Aberdeen will all play before us next week. Uh, Celtic play on the Sunday, but they play at half 12. Hearts and Aberdeen both play on the Saturday. You know, is this maybe the downside of qualification for the, the Europa League? You know, having so many Sunday fixtures, especially when we're playing catch-up. You know, if you're, if you're X amount of points behind Hearts, say, then they play on the Saturday and won again. Surely that puts a wee bit extra pressure on us on the Sunday. You know, if you're travelling back from Spain and Russia and whatever, you know, again, it, it just adds that wee bit extra pressure. So is, is this the downside of the, the Europa League campaign? And is it possible that it could have a negative impact on the league campaign? Honestly, I really, I don't see it that way at all. Um, you know, you could, yeah, I, see, I see what you're saying. You know, if Hearts win, if Celtic win, um, then there's a wee bit more pressure on us to win. But if you're playing for Rangers, there's there's one job and it's win. So it doesn't matter when you're playing. It doesn't matter who you're playing, really. It doesn't matter what any other club has done. You just have to win. Um, and so, no, I'd, uh, play on a Saturday, play on a Friday night, play on a Sunday lunchtime, Sunday afternoon, whenever it is. I don't, I don't really see it as a as a detriment. I don't think it's... I don't really think it should have that much of an effect on professional footballers. Um, I know that obviously there's there's a, a European hangover effect that people talk about, and there's probably some some credence to that. There's probably some you know um, some logic to that, and I see that. But in terms of playing on a Saturday versus playing on a Sunday, um, I don't I don't think we can say that that's a negative thing of uh, you know the negative side of European qualification. We have to play these teams anyway. We have to. It doesn't really matter when we play them, and it doesn't. It should never matter what any other club has done. Is that something that Rangers managers have always said? Is it doesn't matter what Celtic do, it doesn't matter what Hearts and Hibs do. All that matters is that we win our game. We beat the teams that are put in front of us, and if we can't beat teams like St Johnston because we're playing them on a Sunday and not playing them on a Saturday, that's unacceptable for me. Pete, you know, uh, Ross has said there that if if we can't beat St Johnson at Ibrox, regardless of when the, the game's played, it's not good enough. St Johnson have had quite a decent start to the season, you know, and they look like, you know, that, that they're maybe back to the form that they were showing a couple of seasons ago. 
Is this potentially a tricky fixture for Rangers? I was at Johnson. They've, they've always sort of approved a, a tricky fixture. Uh, the thing, the thing is, uh, people were were saying, "Oh, we've got five easy games now that that we can get points in." But funnily enough, St. Johnson are equal with us. Livingston are, are above us, and Hearts are above us. So, <laughs> what, what is a tricky fixture? At the beginning of the season, you would have probably said Aberdeen, Hibs, and Celtic, but it's not turning out that way at this moment. Although it might at the end of the season probably end up that way anyway. Well, hopefully we're the we're in top of the league at that time. But uh, yeah, they're all tricky fixtures. You've, you've you've got to win, and just as Ross says, I'll back him up in that one. You've you've got to win, and whether we, we we've got the play. I mean, we've, we've got nearly now two players for every position, and they're all sort of a, as good as each other. So I, I think we're stronger now than than. Than we have we've been for years, and I, I, teams like St. Johnson, yeah, they shouldn't they, they shouldn't be shouldn't they should be coming to Ibrox, worrying about holding the score down to a, uh, a a reasonable score, and not whether they can get a draw or whether they can win or what. Rangers should go out for the win. Hard to disagree with that, Pete Ross. Uh, we talked about the sort of rebirth earlier on of Andy Halliday. You know, he's back in the side. You know, Rangers have got a, a decent run of fixtures coming up. You know, the Dundee yesterday are obviously struggling. St. Johnston at home, again, they should probably win. Livingston away, again, a decent fixture. Is it vital that players like Andy Halliday, you know, your sort of periphery players, you know, is it vital that they sort of turn up when they're given the opportunity? Because obviously I think Gerrard's going to rotate the squad given the European, uh, you know, commitments. So do these type of players need to turn up now? If we're going to compete in all fronts, you know, obviously we're in, we're in Europe, we've got the domestic stuff. We need the squad, surely. Oh, 100%. Um, that's, you know, that's why you have a, a, a big squad, is so that you can rotate. And, and we need to have confidence in guys like Halliday. And thankfully this season, he's kind of making it very easy to be confident in him. Whereas in the past, that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily the case. I think, you know, this season, as we are fighting on so many different fronts, you know, I take it we're still... We're still in four competitions, really. If you, the two domestic cups, the league, and uh, and Europe, so we're fighting four different fronts there. It's it's a heavily demanding schedule, and actually, we're only in um, in September, and we've played, you know, a, a, a serious, significant number of games, and so we've seen the benefits of that rotation, and this this ties nicely back into what you were saying about the lineup yesterday, having one eye on. Um, on the midweek game in, in Villarreal, and, and you're right that the lineup definitely did. But what also was interesting was the, the substitutions that he made and the timings of those substitutions. Um, you know, taking off Morelos, leaving him on as long as he could because obviously Morelos isn't going to play. So you want to have Lafferty being fresh, but you don't want Lafferty to be stale. So you bring him on for 20 minutes or so. Um, and there were a couple of other wee substitutions where it was, you know, like he took off Ryan Kent because Ryan Kent was having a, a storming game. Um, and then he takes him off because he needs him to to still be fresh and still have that level of energy on Thursday. Um, so it's it's crucial that the squad is is fit and ready to play, but also that we we as fans and that the other players can have confidence in the players that aren't being picked to start every game, like Andy Halliday, like Ross McCrory, like even like like Glenn Middleton, um, and and Wes Fodringham as well, because you know he'll I'm sure that if we're still in in four competitions in two months' time. Wes Fodringham will probably be kind of rotated in a few more times. We need to have confidence in these guys that they are 
fit and ready to play, but also kind of they have match sharpness and that they are they're not dropping down a level. The, the the standard of play doesn't drop down a level when these guys come onto the park. And thankfully, players like Halliday, like Middleton, have uh, have given us that confidence so far this season. Pete, in my opinion, that you know this is the sort of game that the Rangers, especially at home. I mean, the Rangers' home form last season was appalling. To me, this is the type of game the Rangers would have dropped points. You know, last season. How important is it that Rangers start producing? You know, routine wins out of these types of fixtures. That's how it felt yesterday. It felt that Rangers weren't quite at the best, and there was things you could criticise about the performance. But we still came away with a four 0 win. So to me, that almost defines a routine win. How important is it that these fixtures? That's what they become. Well, yeah, yeah. As I just said that Rangers should always go out for a win and. Uh, uh, stand by that, but obviously the, the some of the the, the the games that we've played this year is the referees going back to the referees. They've made such big decisions, wrong decisions that is that's cost us. In the last season, if you remember the Hibs game uh, and how many games uh, that cost us last year as well, uh, that's a, that plays a big part in it as well. So, but that said. A Rangers team going out against a, a Hamilton, a St. Johnson, uh, or even an Aberdeen or a Hibs, uh, the Ranger, Rangers should be looking for a win. And these games should really be difficult, but we should still be uh, looking to, to roll them over. And I, I, I really think, I'm really confident this year that, that we can, I mean, as I said, I, I watch Celtic and they're absolute crap. They're absolute crap, and uh, I, I really think we've got a good chance this year. But and it was quite funny. I was watching BBC, and they said somebody says, "Yeah, you need to catch Celtic," and, and somebody says, "Yeah, but Celtic need to catch Hearts." So I, I, quite, <laughs> I, I, I quite laughed at that. <laughs> so uh, no, uh, for me, well, it, was, it was a bit like that yesterday. At Ibrox, you know, we were all asking the boy behind me was going through all the scores, and he was like, oh, "What's a heart score? What's a heart score?" Which is unusual, you know. Obviously, you're looking for the Celtic score usually, but yeah, we do need to look at look at Hearts as well. I think you know because they've started very well this season. Yeah, yeah. I was especially Naismith. He seems to be writing for him at the moment. But uh, to go back to the St. Johnson one, and or, or even to, to 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 go back to your to, to Celtic, we've scored twice as many goals as Celtic at the moment. They've only scored five goals in five games. And we've, we've we've already scored ten, and Hearts have scored eleven. So even at that point, we're 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 well ahead of them in goal difference at the moment. And that's them with their forty million pound striker at the beginning of the year, and now their nine million pound striker. And uh, yeah, I, just, I seen the other Diddy. Uh, he he was boasting that he was here to ten and to get C ten in a row. So I hope he falls in his face this year. Quite right, Pete. You tell him. You tell him. But I, I mean, I think the goals. I mean, I think we talked about this in previous pods towards the end of last season. You know, scoring goals wasn't a problem. Rangers were the top goal scorers in that league last season. We scored more goals than anybody else. The problem was the amount we were conceding. Uh, I think we had a soft underbelly this season. So, uh, sorry, last season. So, I think, yeah, I don't think goals are a problem. I know Morelos takes a bit of stick. Some of it is is legitimate, but he's scoring goals. The, you know, Kent got his yesterday, Middleton, you know, and there's other players chipping in. Goals, I don't think, are a problem for Rangers at this moment, and they weren't last season. It, it was a defensive tide, so 
Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I think we're in a good a good chance this season. I think we'll we'll, we'll put in a decent challenge for the title. Quick one from the both of you. Score prediction for next week against St. Johnson Ross. Oh, I think we'll I think we'll be fine. I think it'll be three 0 yeah, I think I think we'll go three 0 as well. And I just want to mention we're still for you were talking about the defence. Uh Joe Waddle and Macaulay still to come in if if there's any we want to rest any of the defenders. So they they seem to go with a really high opinion from people. But uh I I, I think it'll be three 0 four 0 Right, moving on to the final part of the show, Sevco of the Week. I've got a couple myself. I'll, I'll bring them up after yourself, Ross, because I believe you've got one. I have got... Um, I noticed something yesterday on Twitter. Obviously, during our game, um, no Rangers game would be complete without two Celtic fans talking to each other on Twitter about our game. Um, so they're having a wee bit of back and forward about how awful we are and how much Dundee are, are, are just lying down because, obviously, it's Neil McCann and, and he wants us to win. Um, so they're, they're kind of having a wee bit of witty back and forwards, you know, it's all very nice, very pleasant. And then one of them says, well, that'll be Neil McCann sacked in the morning then. And then this guy here, Mike Mack, has gone back to him to say, no, no, he won't be sacked because it's in his contract that he can, he's allowed to lose to Sevco. And Derek, his pal's gone, I actually, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and you think like, I, I always have to give them a wee bit of credit because... You know, they, they spend so much time talking about us. I presume they have lives and jobs. Who knows? Maybe not. But they always find the time to go on these little private investigations and they always find such juicy details about contracts of people not employed by Rangers or Celtic. How have they managed to find out that in Neil McCann's contract signed with Dundee, he's allowed to lose to Sevco and he doesn't lose his job over that? It's In a way, you have to salute them. Well, you know, they're tax experts and all that as well, aren't they, Ross? And, and you would have to assume, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, you would have to assume that, that if someone like Neil McCann has that in his contract, then so does someone like Neil Lennon. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts. If you're going to chuck something like that into the into the mix, then you have to expect that people will take that and turn it around and say, well, what about ex-Celtic players? Are they allowed to lose? Uh, to Celtic, so aye, absolute nonsense, nonsense. I've got a couple here. No, can I just jump in there? Neil aye. Lennon, his, his, his contract's with British Airways. All right, where are we going with this? <laughs> Why? No, it is the aeroplane. Oh, right, 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 aye, aye. That's, that's proper da part of that, isn't it, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> right, right going to go away. I'm going to bring in my two. I've John Hartson on Friday. I didn't watch the game. On Friday, I saw this online yesterday. Uh, apparently, he was asked about, you know, could could Rangers challenge Celtic this season? And he's, he's responded, no chance. I still think it'll be 15 points. And I think Aberdeen will finish second. It's all hyped. They had a big point to prove in terms of, can they do it against Celtic toe for toe? They clearly showed that they can't. He's obviously referencing the, the Celtic game at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago. He then goes on to say, Neil Lennon said it as well. There's still a lot to do, a lot of, a lot of hype surrounding Gerard coming is all it is. Right, now this is all based on the fact that apparently that this is Rangers' worst start of the season since 1989-90. I think Hartson needs to have a wee look at the statistics from that season because Rangers did have a poor start to the season that season, but they also went on to win the league. So, get it up you, John, you're a baldy so-and-so. You just 
oh, anyway, another thing that really annoyed me was Stephen Robinson. He was yesterday. Pete, this will interest you with your, your love of that. Uh, the Hearts Motherwell game yesterday. Motherwell keeper uh, Trevor Carson was injured in a challenge with Naismith. And Robinson has apparently called for VAR to, uh, VAR, sorry, to be introduced on the back of it. Now, two questions. Did he call for VAR when Ryan Bowman broke Fabio Cardoso's nose? No, he didn't. Did he call for VAR when Ryan Jack lost six months of his career due to the challenge from Kipre last season? No. So, Stephen Robinson, you join John Hartson and get the head of wallopers. Right, that's all for this week's Jersnet podcast. A big thanks to Ross and Pete for their contributions this week. Great stuff, as always. Uh, a big thanks to our sound engineer, Graham, who will make everything sound brilliant. Ross, I'll bring you in now to talk about next week's show. You're hosting, I believe. I am back in the uh, in the presenters chair next week. We're going to be joined by uh, Stevie Clifford from the, the excellent Four Lads Had a Dream blog. Um, so it'll be good to pick his brains again. And we've also got Christine from the Jazznet Forum. She's going to be uh, coming back, first time back for her this season. Um, and she was, she was great on the pod last season. So really looking forward to welcoming her back. We'll take a wee look at, at the St. Johnston game and, and the trip to Villarreal. And have a have one eye on any stories that are coming up during the week. So hopefully everyone will be able to tune in for that. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Look forward to that. If you've enjoyed the podcast this week, uh, please subscribe to where you listen to it on YouTube and all the rest of it. Uh, and tell your friends, get it shared on social media. If you're going for a tea at the office, say to your pal, by the way, I've listened to that Jersnet podcast and it's really good. Also, get on to the Jersnet website. There's articles, match previews, match reports, loads of stuff on there. There's also the forums. You'll find lots of fellow-minded Rangers supporters there all talking about Rangers. It's great stuff. You'll get that at www.jersnet.co.uk. So until the next time, see you again. <laughs>